Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king. He had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the month, and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month, for the gracious hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord, and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. Mm, thank you, Sue. Appreciate that. It's great to see everyone today, or at least see screens otherwise, or uh, see see your name written up there. Um, I've really missed not seeing and not being together the last couple of weeks, and it was strange, wasn't it? The the last one before Christmas, we moved to uh, more of a uh, a stream service as well because of the COVID situation. I'm so looking forward to being back next Sunday at Hustnell. Uh, so I want to encourage you, please do come along. If there's any other changes we have to make, we'll let you know. But we're looking forward, Lord willing, to all being together at Husk and at Lighthouse next Sunday in our respective congregations and just spending time worshipping and fellowshipping together in person. Um, I guess also the, the other thing I want to say is that we we deliberately wanted to not start the year with a whole bunch of activities. As Natan said, we decided to uh, to not start up loads of the program this week, but to just ease back into the new year and just encourage you to take extra time to pray and read the word. So maybe if you would have been having to uh, get involved with lots of stuff during the week, just take some of that time and just spend some time in prayer. It's a great way to start the year. Now, I have to confess, I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. Um, and so this talk will be New Year's resolution free. If you've got an interesting New Year's resolution, do feel free to pop it into the chat. Um, and we can see who's kind of got the most funky one going on. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not big on New Year's resolutions myself, probably because when I used to make them, I'd break them by about the day into it. Uh, but the new year can be an interesting time for realizing uh, and reflecting on what happened the year before, uh, but also of thinking of what comes next. What's what's going to happen in the year we face. It also makes us realize in some senses that our time here is limited. The passing of another year marks the fact that we're a year uh, older in that sense, aren't we? We're, you know, none of us are going to be here forever. And um, I was really, I, I, I really like um, wandering through graveyards. That might sound a bit odd. But I like reading the inscriptions on tombstones. I don't know if anybody else likes to do that, but I think it can be quite interesting. Um, and so uh, you just get a little snapshot or a glimpse. And obviously it's, a, it's generally a, a nice thing. Nobody puts really honest things on them, do they? You know, I, I've never seen a gravestone that said could be a bit miserable at times or please don't trouble him before he's had his third coffee because he's a beast until then, or anything like that. You don't really see that, do you? Um, but I think one day we have to realize that we will be gone. And what will people say about us 
when we're gone. Not just what they'll say at the funeral, where again, it, it feels like people say nice things a lot of the time. But if you were to think of something, an epitaph, something that would uh, sum up your life in a sentence or two, if it was done honestly, what might it would say? You know, m many of us were probably scarred at times by school reports that said things like, must try harder. Most of my school were, well, I'll leave that now. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, and, and those sort of things. But what might a little epitaph of our life look like? I was really thinking about that because it says here of Ezra, and I wanted to just look at Ezra's life just very briefly and his love for the word of God and just to, to challenge us and to encourage us to grow in our in our understanding and our obedience of the word of God and our willingness to teach others because there's a there's just this really interesting uh, just phrase it says um the great in verse starting in verse nine for the gracious hand of his God was on him for Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. Ezra had the great, it says that Ezra had the hand of God on his life, um, but also that he had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees. Ezra was a man who knew the presence of God, that sense of God's touch on his life. He had God's hand over his life. And it, it links that in this passage here to the fact that Ezra had this astounding relationship with God's word. He wanted to study it. He wanted to obey it. And he wanted to teach others. What's our relationship with the Bible like? If we think about the fact that um, we had such great access to the Bible earlier on this year, well, last year, wasn't it? We had uh, uh, Catherine from Wycliffe come and speak. And she reminded us of the fact that one of the greatest poverties in the world is Bible poverty, that so many people don't have access to a Bible in their own language. And yet here in Britain, we have access to not just a Bible in our own language, but literally hundreds of versions of the Bible. We have access to stuff online. We can listen to it. We, it it's so easy for us to be able to read the Bible. And yet sometimes we really do neglect it so i want to ask you what's your relationship to the bible look like um do we how do we see it how do we engage with the bible do we enjoy spending time reading god's word what kind of place and role does it have in each of our lives now in my own life i'm really grateful for two people just two people who are called um Peter Curry and Terence Crosby, because as a young man, they took stacks of time out of their lives to faithfully teach me the Bible, along with a whole bunch of other kids at our Crusader class. Now, these two, these two guys, they weren't particularly charismatic in their personality. 
They weren't particularly youth friendly, but what it was clear in them that they had a love for God. And so every Friday night we would go to a Bible study and they would teach us verse by verse the word of God. And it was such a remarkable time of growth in my life. It's where I learned to study the Bible, but also learned to apply the Bible. They were very, very keen and strong on the fact that Bible teaching ought to be practical. It ought to help us and change us. And they took time on a Sunday morning at Crusaders. They would teach us the Bible on a Friday night. They would uh, just do loads of things to help us to engage with the Bible. And I was just thinking, you know, in our church, we're so blessed to have uh, such a great team of, of kids workers and, and, and youth worker, the youth team who take time out of their schedules to teach young people the Bible. And that's such a blessing. Thinking back, that time shaped my life, my relationship with the Bible more than anything, uh, any other time in my life. It was such an important time. And I, I want to encourage you, you know, there are, there, we have such access to the Bible. Let's not neglect it. Um, it says of Ezra that he devoted himself to understanding the Bible, to, to living it out, and also to teach others. What does that mean for each of us? What can we learn from that? If we look at Ezra's life, we see that he was used by God at a really unique time uh, in, in history. God's people had lost the land that he had given to them. And it was uh, God's relationship with Israel centered on the land that he had given to them. And he had promised to, uh, to bless them in that place. And what happened is that they had lost the land that God had given to them. And that had brought such tragedy to them. And God used Ezra at a time where they were being restored back to the land. And it's a, a restoration that had started. And then God had uh, raised up Ezra to go back and to help with that process. Now, it's really interesting that the people had lost the land. Uh, and when we look at the Old Testament, we see that God basically judges three things particularly. In, in, in Israel and why they lost the land. And that is that they worshipped idols. They forgot to worship God and they worshipped other things. We see also that they turned to immorality, particularly sexual immorality, and they also exploited the poor. And because of that, they lost what God had for them. And it's really interesting because although in life it seems like everything changes, often nothing changes. It's so easy for us to end up worshipping false gods. It's so easy for us to exploit others. It's so easy for us to fall into immorality. And God raises up Ezra as the people go back so that they not just physically rebuild Jerusalem, don't just physically rebuild the temple, but God wants to rebuild and renew his people. And so at the heart of that is Ezra, a man who goes and he teaches the Bible to them. He goes and in, in one sense, we might say he disciples the people. They, he, God didn't want the people to fall back into the same sin 
that had caused them to lose out. And for us in our generation, how do we remain faithful to God? Well, I think a large part of that is anchoring our lives in the Bible. If we're going to live in what is often a hostile world, if we're going to live in a world where people are so far from God and our culture wants to take us away from our devotion to Christ, then we need also to be people who are anchored in the Bible. We all need those people like Ezra in our life who will, who will come and teach and remind us of the Bible. And for each of us today, I just want to challenge you to think about, you know, if God is going to restore and renew the church in our generation, in our time, it's not just uh, about having great meetings or charismatic personalities, but in doing a work of renewal and restoration, God wants to give us a passion for his word. And I really want to, uh, you know, if you want to pray that God would do something in your life this year, why don't you pray that God would give you a fresh desire and passion for the word of God? It's interesting here that that phrase is used that Ezra had the hand of God, the gracious hand of God. Four times in Ezra, we're reminded of the fact that God's hand was on Ezra's life. I think if we look at it, one of the things we have to understand is that hand of God was on Ezra's life, not just so Ezra had a good time, but so that Ezra could be involved in helping to fulfill God's purposes for the generation in which he lived in. And I believe if we want to impact our generation, if we want to fulfill God's purposes in our life, we need, like Ezra, to really base our lives on wanting to know and study the Bible, wanting to be able to live it out, to be obedient to it, but also to teach others. Ezra was used by God. God graced him. God's hand was on his life. And that doesn't mean that you know, sometimes we talk about the favor of God as if that means that we will just have a great life with nothing difficult going on. Whereas actually for Ezra, it was quite different. You know, God's hand and favor on his life didn't give him a life free of difficulty, but actually one in which difficulty enhanced his life because he drew closer to God. And the same is true of us. If we want the gracious hand of God in our lives, then actually we're going to have to realize that means we will go through difficult times. But those times are so important because they make us realize our need for God. They help us to draw near to him. They help us to realize our own uh, limitations and our own uh, sinful inclinations. I think truly we see God at work when we come to the end of our own abilities. It's that thing about, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because they don't trust in the riches of their own soul. And I think there is that understanding that when we devote ourselves to studying the word of God, that we, we realize how big he is and how much we need God's word. It says that Ezra studied, he learned, he practiced the word, he lived it out, and he taught, he led others from a place of being centered 
on understanding God's word. So his heart was very much to study the word. I want us to think about what does it mean to have a heart that's inclined to study? It says in my version, Edra devoted himself. Various translations use the word uh, they set his heart on or he prepared himself or he determined to. But it comes from a decision. Ezra had a desire for the word of God. If you read, for example, Psalm 119, as the psalmist speaks of God's word, you see this tremendous desire for God's word. I believe sometimes the first step of that is to ask God to develop that in our hearts. It's the creation of longing. So often we long for things, don't we? There are things we chase after, things we want. I want to encourage you, pray that prayer saying, God, create a longing and a desire in my heart for your word. Dave's going to to, uh, read to us now. Dave, again, uh, from 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, verse 14 to 4, verse 4. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in christ jesus all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that all god's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work in the presence of god and of christ jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom i give you this charge preach the word be prepared in season and out of season correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Mm. This, thank you, David. That this passage reminds us of the importance of God's word. Um, I think that's so important that we understand that. You know, sometimes we don't realize how important it is uh, for us to to read and study and understand the Bible and apply it into our lives. You know, it says in verse fourteen there the things you have become convinced of. I want to ask you, are you convinced by the Bible? It's very easy in our world where we live with so many influences, where we live with so many uh, different voices just to relegate the Bible to one voice amongst many, to almost come to the point where we say, yes, the Bible has something to say to us, but so does this and so does that. And we just uh, re- re- we just downgrade the Bible to simply another source of information. It's really important that we understand that, that where Timothy sa- uh, Paul talks to Timothy, he says that uh, scripture is God breathed. It is the breath of God. This isn't just nice words from men. This is words that have been breathed, given life to. By God. 
you know, because of that, it's so important. If we, as we think about that passage there, Paul exhorts Timothy in, in verse one of chapter four, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. Preach the word. Be ready. You know, verse 16 of the uh, of three says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Whether you know it or not, you have a deep need for the word of God in your life. I want to encourage you pray for not just that you would have a need, but you would have a longing for it. It says that Ezra devoted himself to it. That's a, a choice word, isn't it? To devote is a choice. It's a decision. It's a devotion costs something, doesn't it? If you're devoted to something, there are other things that you can't do because of your devotion to that thing. And the reality is, if we're going to be devoted to studying the word of God, that will come at a cost. Maybe other things uh might need to be cut back. Maybe we have to change some of our priorities. What might a devotion to the word of God cost you? You know, I think I've realized that actually in life, so many Christians really just can't be bothered to put the effort into reading and understanding the Bible. You know, it's a chore. It's, it's low on their list of priorities when you find out what people spend their time on. For me, it's a bit, the way I would see that, it's kind of a bit like, you know, the kind of chore that you feel you ought to do and you kind of have to do, but your heart's not in it. Like for me, that's mowing the lawn. I kind of, I know I should do it. It needs to be done, but I kind of hold out for it and want to do it just when I get beaten down into it. and Or even better, when the wife just goes and mows it because I haven't, that's a result. But nobody can read the Bible for you. And it's so important that we don't just see the reading the Bible, understanding the Bible as a task. Let's make it a joy and a pleasure. Let's ask God for that thing in our hearts, that inclination of heart that wants to study the Bible. Um, it's so easy just to seek the spectacular, isn't it? It's easy just to speak, to seek, you know, even just the miraculous or things like that. But if we really want to see God at work through his Holy Spirit, if we want to see the miraculous, if we want to see God do great things, if we want to move in the prophetic, then I believe the best thing we could do is to become devoted to scripture as we fill our minds with scripture, then God will take that and use it. I was really struck elsewhere in the New Testament where it talks about God bringing, that the Holy Spirit will bring to their remembrance the words of Jesus. Actually, what that means is to bring to the remembrance means hearing them for the first time beforehand. Sometimes we want God to magically drop the Bible into our hearts without being bothered to read it for ourselves. So what are some practical things we can do? Well, firstly, I want to encourage you, be regular in reading the Bible. Now, that means, I think, finding a time that works for you when you are alert and awake. Now, some of us are morning people. You know, Dave did the reading and 
he can sometimes be found at half five in the morning going for a 20k run or whatever it is or or 25k or 30k run he he gets mornings now personally i'm not sure that <laughs> that i'll ever be up to doing that like for me mornings don't start till second maybe third cup of coffee like it, it just there's a way into it uh, and sometimes I think we can think that we have to do our Bible study first thing in the morning. And I would encourage you find a time that works for you. If your brain is good late at night, then spend time doing that. But find time. Think about when you can engage with it. I One of the things that most intimidated me when I got married was the fact that Annie doesn't leave the house till she's had an hour of reading the Bible and praying. And that means that if we have to get out really early, she's going to set her alarm clock even earlier. And I'm like, you can pray on the train. But, but she is very much, that's her routine. Um, and she's got really good ways of doing it. Like So part of her devotion, she reads three psalms a day and a, um, a chapter of Proverbs. And that's something that she does in addition to other things, but it helps to shape her. Um, that, try and find some consistency in reading the Bible. It's not wrong to make a habit of it. You know, you might want to try to find a plan to do so. I was really, I just, it, it's, it's really useful to have some kind of um, routine to that. And one of the things Danielle sent out in the church email is a plan for reading through the Bible together over a year and so you'll see the details of that in the church email but maybe you want to do that maybe you want to say to somebody let's go on one of these kind of bible in a year plans but let's meet up every week just to chat about it or every month or why don't we just send each other a text just to encourage each other to carry on through the difficult parts or through the chapters of genealogies that could sometimes be difficult for us um, but plug into something organized. Um, be a part of a small group, you know, the, the life groups, that the opportunity to study the Bible together. Let's not just read the Bible devotionally as a verse here or there, but try to read chunks of scripture in context and think about what's the main point and keep the main point the main point. But Ezra didn't just learn he put it into practice. He wasn't a dry theologian. You know, I think we've all sat and heard people whose theology is so dry, it feels like they fart sand. And uh, that's not how we're to approach the Bible. We're to approach the Bible with a view to obedience. We're to approach the Bible understanding that God's word gives life to us. It's not something just to be debated or discussed but there is um, opportunity uh, for us to really find strength in our day-to-day -day walk with God the Bible tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God faith is a response to God's word it takes it for what it is and it produces faith in our hearts so it's really important then that we accurately understand the Bible, reading in context. Um, 
2 Timothy 3.16 talks about all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, rebuke, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. If we just look at some of those words, reproof, correction, training. These are words about shaping. Are we being shaped by the word of God or do we simply read it? to look to have it affirm us. I think this is one of the big challenges. Are we prepared to be challenged by the Bible and changed through God's word and spirit at work in our, our lives? Or do we simply come to the Bible to get God to endorse what we believe or want to do anyway? I remember being really struck once in a when I went had a, a falling out with somebody and I needed to ask them for forgiveness and to reconcile and I didn't want to do it in the end I didn't feel like doing it but what because I felt like I was mostly in the right but what prompted me to was reading the bible and seeing my need to own my sin if I'd just gone to the bible to affirm me I wouldn't have done that but I was confronted and I felt wronged already but confronted that I felt that I needed to apologize for my side in what was wrong. Let's go to the Bible, not just to, uh, to have our views affirmed, but to learn, have a teachable heart. Let's go to the Bible that, in a way in which we want to be shaped by it. We looked a few months back at Paul's writing to Timothy, where he says the goal of our instruction is love. If our knowledge of the Bible is causing us to love more then something is wrong the the kind of reformed evangelicalism I can, i've that so shaped my life one of the downsides of it is that often being right is more important than being kind or being loving those two things shouldn't be in opposition to each other being right ought to lead us to be loving and to being kind as well if our reading of the Bible doesn't make us more loving, then we've got a cold heart and something is wrong. If there's a disconnect between study and practice, something is wrong. Just to close off, Ezra taught others the word of God. He didn't just keep it to himself. Now, one of the things that's really important is the idea, not just that Ezra studied the Bible and taught others, that's often our inclination, isn't it? But he studied it, obeyed it, and from that place taught others. And that doesn't mean that each of us has to be a Bible teacher as such, but we can teach what we know, what God has taught us, what we've learned, what we've obeyed. Let's be teaching others. Evangelism is, is part of that. As we know and understand God's word, we want to tell others what we have learned and seen and experienced through God at work in our lives. If we're going to uh, encounter God through his word, if we're going to obey it, let's make sure that we take the time and opportunity to speak to others about what we're learning. I want to ask you, who are you speaking to about the word of God? Who are you sharing your insights with? Who are you talking to? about what you're learning. In um, 
in our lives, it's very easy, isn't it, just to keep quiet. There is a famine of God's word in our land. And I just want to encourage you, be somebody who shares what God has taught with you, taught you and allow that to teach others. You know, as church, we want to be about disciples who make disciples. And that means that as much and as whatever God teaches us, let's teach others. You know, for some of us, I know that reading isn't your thing and it's hard. If that's the case, then there are audio Bibles you can get. I've got a version where David Suchet, Poirot, basically reads you the Bible. Um, and actually, it's really, really useful. It's really useful sometimes to just listen to the Bible being read, even if reading is your thing. Um, I believe that a lot of the Bible was actually written to be read out. New Testament letters to be read to congregations. Just put that on and listen. Allow God's word to speak to you. Just in closing, one of the things that um, struck me was that Ezra's word name means helper. And it's really interesting. It's not something I've kind of developed or thought that much about, but I kind of there's that sense in which um, it's it, it speaks to me straight away of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is the helper Jesus has given to us. And, in, you know, if we want to be people who study the Bible, let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't just give information, but revelation. He will cause us to understand. He will lead us into truth. If we want to be obedient, let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit gives us the grace the holy spirit gives us the ability to live out our faith we want to teach others let's be filled with the spirit because the spirit will lead us into truth in the words and will give us words to speak to others psalm 119 verse 129 says your statutes are wonderful therefore i obey them the unfolding of your word gives light it gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and power, longing for your commands. My prayer, brothers and sisters, is that each of us this coming year would have a greater desire for God's word to set our hearts to understand it, to obey it, and also to teach others. I'm just going to pray for you. Father, I just want to pray for each of us that we would have a heart to share your word with others. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand your word. Lord, I pray for that your spirit would lead us, would create a desire and a longing in each of our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen.